we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, ah, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckstables? What the fuck, Oloompas? Oh, some of them are getting through. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for joining me. I'm in the garage. It's coming up on dusk. That's the one at the end of the day. Am I right? Today on the show, Larry Miller, who I haven't seen in years, always thought he was a very funny guy. Look forward to that conversation. Remember years ago, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he got beat up in San Francisco, and I felt horrible about that. And I remember being there that weekend. We'll get into that. Some other stuff. He's got a podcast. I just had a skunk party. Skunk party at the Cat Bowl outside on the deck, outside of the garage here at the Cat Ranch. A litter of skunks beneath my deck will come out during the day to eat Boomer's food. And I know I shouldn't feed them. I know that they may become a problem, but you got to realize I've lived here a few years. I've been through several litters of skunks, several litters of possums couple raccoons here and there stray cats it's it's always fun to see the flurry of stinky tails around the silver bowl while boomer just sits there baffled there is a respect among animals i talked to someone today they said aren't you afraid that the skunks are going to spray your cats no cats don't get sprayed by skunks because cats are cool they're smart they understand boundaries they're like i'm going to get out of the way of this you know what gets sprayed big dumb dogs Big dumb dogs who stick their nose and go, what's this? What's this? What's this? Is this something I can eat or love or would help me? There you go. How's that? Now you stink. Now you got to go into the house and stink up your owner's house and maybe they'll give you a bath in tomato juice. Man, skunks do not spray cats because cats are cool. Dogs are dumb. Dogs get sprayed by skunks. That's my theory. Anyways, look, I don't want to talk about the skunks all day. They were awfully cute. Maybe I'll put some pictures up on the site. Also, I had a plumbing problem. This is riveting. Skunks and a plumbing problem? Are you kidding me, Mark? How how interesting is your life? The day before I got to leave town, all of a sudden my house decides to throw up in my sink. My house just puked up out of the sink. God knows what. I didn't know how far down it went. I've had ruder situations before. I got an old house. So now I'm in a, not a, I wasn't even in a panic. I called the ruder guy, but he came over. All he kept saying is, you know what? Garbage disposals. You know who designed them? Who? A plumber. And we thank God for him every day because they stink. They don't work. A plumber designed it. I'm a plumber. He helped us out. Okay. Anyways, I didn't get to talk to you since I went to Denver last week. I had a great time. Loved that club. I'd heard for years that the Comedy Works was the best club in the world. And it's certainly one of them. Perfectly designed in a basement. Low ceilings. Tightly uh, seated. It just feels like you're killing no matter what. And it sounds like you're killing no matter what. But, you know, you travel around and people always say, go to this food place, go do this. You got to eat there. You got to eat there. And I've I've lived in New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco. I don't think I'm going to go somewhere and have the best food ever. I, I just I just temper my expectations with the fact when someone says this is the best pizza. I'm like, I fucking lived in New York. And you know what? I went to a place in Denver, Osteria, Marco. 
and had the best pizza I've ever had in my fucking life. How is that possible? The best pizza I ever had in my life. They had burrata there. I don't even like burrata, and this stuff was just like gold in your mouth. Is that even a metaphor people use? It was amazing. Melted in your mouth? Yeah, that's good. It was meltable gold in your mouth. It was awesome. And then I, and the pizza was great. I ate it three times. I'm a fat pig. I ate it three times, you fat fucking pig. Shut up, Mark. You're not that fat, and you make people who do have an honest weight problem mad at you. All right, Mark. But I ate it three times, and then I found out the day after I ate it that that restaurant has been reprimanded by the FDA or the local authorities of food in Denver. And I'm like, oh, great. What did I just eat? And she said, no, they keep using raw milk to make their burrata and make their cheeses. And they use locally farmed animals to make their uh, hams and cured meats. So the FDA is pissed off at him for using the good stuff. I'd never had that before. I got to tell you, if that is wrong, bring it on. Raw milk burrata was fucking amazing. Yeah, you know, it makes me it makes me hate the government. Free the burrata. I mean, come on, free the burrata. But the bigger story out of Denver is really something kind of interesting and kind of mind blowing and emotionally jarring. I did a show on Thursday night. After the show, I'm selling shirts. Thanks for buying them, by the way. Thanks for all the nice presents and the brownies. Some guy brought me brownies, and he he didn't look like a brownie-making dude, and it was right after Doug Benson's show, so who the fuck knew what was in those brownies? But he goes, no, my mom made them. Then a bunch of dudes from a band came. They got shit-faced, and a guy missing most of his fingers on his right hand would force me to take the Motley Crue shirt off his back. He wanted to trade for one of my shirts. I didn't want really want to trade. And he says, I'll buy your shirt, but you have to take the Motley Crue shirt. And then he told the story of his fingers and the saw, but he can still play guitar. Anyways, after Thursday night show, I'm standing there selling shirts. A guy walks up to me and goes, Mark Marin. I'm looking at him. And right as it's all sort of congealing, all the gray matter wrapping, just sort of pushing in on itself to make something out of this guy's face. He says it at the same time I do. I go, Eric, Eric, fucking Eric. This guy was my best friend when I was in eighth grade. And I just saw him. I saw the kid I knew in the face that was looking at me smiling. I gave him a hug. I was like, holy shit. Fucking Eric, what the fuck? How have you been? It's been over 30 years. I never thought I would be old enough to not see somebody for 30 years. And there he was. Eric, but we used to be in a band together when I was in eighth grade. Well, it wasn't really a band. It was, there were a bunch of us. We played, we knew three songs, like three stone songs and maybe Sweet Home Alabama, something like that. We played three or four gigs. We didn't have a name, but this was Eric, man. His parents were like the groovy parents. I lived in with my parents. He lived down in the, in the, in Corrales, in the North Valley of New Mexico, with his tall dad. He used to play basketball. He used to always say, Dr. J, and he'd do these layups. He was a tall kid, and, he, and I used to go to his house. He had the coolest parents because his dad, they were divorced. His dad was married to this woman younger than him. They had a baby, and Eric lived out in the back in this shack on his own where he could just smoke dope. He'd put on a cape, and he'd run around the ditches. 
There was another guy, Dave, down there. It was just a complete alternative lifestyle to what I was living. I actually remember there was a trip my family took, and I was so enamored with Eric's family and the freedom he had. I just kept saying on this trip, why can't you be like Eric's parents? I just remember my dad was like, why don't you go fucking live with Eric's parents? And for some reason, we all ended up crying in a hotel room. I think it brought us closer together, but I still wanted to live with Eric's parents. 30 years, I hadn't seen this guy. So we make a date to, to you know catch up. He's a manager of a restaurant up there. So he invites me to his restaurant. We have lunch. We kind of get up to speed over the last you know 30 years. He's twice divorced. He's got a couple of kids. He's doing all right. Still sings. Who the fuck knew? Still sings. We were in eighth grade. He's got sort of an on-the-side group of dudes he plays with, and they sing. And I caught him up with my life and my, my uh, problems and successes. It's hard to catch up for 30 years. I just kept trying to, I wanted us to have that closeness, that, but it was so far away. It was so far away. 30 some odd years, a one year intense amount of time, two years. I tried to find him a few times. I'd looked him up, but I could never find him. I could never find him on the internet. I knew he disappeared to Denver. I knew he was involved, involved with some woman. I didn't know what happened. You know, because he disappeared in ninth grade. I knew he went to Denver, but I just thought he was dead. I thought he was done because that's what you do. You know, you, as cool as his parents are, you, you know, sometimes you have those moments. Well, with parents like that, how's, how's that kid going to survive? But there he was doing fine, healthy, had a couple of uh, lobster rolls. He works at a seafood restaurant. But I kept trying to, you know, feel that, you, you know, I felt connected, but it was really a little off because we were just sort of getting each other up to speed and then. I asked him what kind of guitar he played, and I said I was always looking for a J45. And he goes, you want to go to Guitar Center? I said, hell yeah, I love going to Guitar Center when I'm on the road. It's the best thing. Maybe I'll find a J45 that I like. So we get to the Guitar Center. We go into the back, into the acoustic room. I'm noodling around on one. He's noodling around on one. And then we just started playing, man. We started playing. We started playing our set list from when we were in eighth grade. Yeah, and we just started those chords, you know? Sweet Virginia by the Stones, Exile in Main Street. He was the guy that turned me on to that song. He used to bring a tape recorder on the school bus uh, that he had held up to his record player, and there was a skip in that song that I couldn't get out of my head for half of my life. And we were playing it, and then Eric started singing it, and then it started to come back. And we finished that song, and then... We just went into Sympathy for the Devil, which was our second on the set list. And he sang the whole song. And that that was where I connected. That was where I heard that voice. It was the same voice of that kid I knew in eighth grade. And it all came back to me. And we didn't even finish Sweet Home Alabama because I think we're above that. But we left and we felt like, well, we did it, man. We did it. Full circle. All right, I'll be in touch. It was sweet. Did you have a problem with the white chair? <laughs> what What exactly was the issue? There, there are two chairs. Everything sounds like now a lyric. That sounds like a Jefferson Starship lyric to me. <laughs> Did you have a problem with the white chair? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So now, you, Larry Miller. It's good to see you, by the way. Oh, yeah. Let's start with that. 
You recognize me. You know me. Sure. And and by the way, yes. Well, we're brothers. We're comics. Yes, we are. I, I believe me. I, you don't got to tell me that. And that is not lightly said. No. Nope. I met, met someone last night over at Corollas, and this whole world of ours. We'll talk about it. But I just we can adore. do it now. I just maybe now would be good. <laughs> but when I say that, I know it sounds knuckleheaded, but I am very fierce about. This thing of ours, as comics especially, I always thought we should be able to say the Cosa Nostra, mm -hmm. la, la Cosa Nostra, because sure. it means our thing. That's right. And I'm not going to argue with them about it, but I just think that we should get... You're not, not going to get into an active debate with the actual Cosa Nostra about whether we can use the name or not? Right, no, if it comes <laughs> up, if, if there's an option on it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, there yeah. was, when I, I started doing all these things too, in podcasts, and there was... Uh, there were no Larry Miller names uh -huh. either for websites. Or really, the, there was nothing what left. The, uh, oh, oh, I thought you said no one, none existed. No, there was, there would, there was none left because also there was a guy who passed away a year or two ago named Larry Miller in Salt Lake City who owned the Utah Jazz, yeah. who owned every restaurant, yeah. who owned every car dealership. I didn't know the guy, and uh, but I worked there for a month on on something on a part and in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and so you it went, was yeah. surreal to drive to wherever the location was every morning and just look out the window and see your name, whatever your name is out there. Sure. Imagine you just see Larry Miller Chicken, Larry Miller Volvo, Larry Miller Honda. <laughs> You're like, Larry I Miller an, Clothes. I have an empire and another life. That's right. Wow. So What had, it could have been for you. <laughs> if only <laughs> yeah. If only I hadn't said one day, ah, the heck with law school. But the, thi the thing is- You were one of those guys, huh? No, nah, I didn't even get to the heck part. Oh. I didn't even get to the law school part. Oh. And I, I you know what? I wouldn't have wanted to, and I don't need to. But the thing is, when he when he died, then some of my friends said, or somebody said, well, why don't you get now some of the Larry Miller sites? Because, you know, or he's gone. at least gone. The, the leftover swag. What's, that's right. <laughs> the, gonna, the hats. Can the, I have the hats from the... The wristbands. Yeah. So I, But I said, you know what? That's a great idea. I know what I'll do. I'll call the family now and say, I know this is a very difficult time, but let's be honest, you're not using the name anymore. <laughs> Who needs it? This was the website. And if you could just, hello, hello. <laughs> well, that was certainly rude of them. <laughs> did you get it? No. So what did you end up finding for yourself? Well, you know what? It's, it gets along, as you know, as we all know, and, every, and out there knows, it kind of, in the end, doesn't matter what you actually pick. The one, uh, we wound up picking the name of my show is this week with Larry Miller. It's it's acelarrymiller.com. It's over at Adam Carolla's yeah. shop. Yeah. But the, the name this week with Larry Miller could have been anything. Yeah. It's, in fact, they came with it. Jeff Fox, who's the producer, is a great guy, came up with it. Fine, fine with me. Sure. It's like CNN. Sure. The what week. is it? You know, yeah. it's known. Oh, CNN. Yeah. It just means cable news network. Right. It yeah. doesn't it's really a, matter. No, it's just uh, that it just means that that's the thing that you go to when you want to hear Larry Miller talk about whatever the fuck he's going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. And all, all you're doing is you, you take the name and then you just get like WTF. I don't, uh, initially, I thought I was going to be listening, you know, listing WTFs every week. And I thought that. There was this big plan I had, and now I don't do any of that, and the show has evolved, and now it's a brand. It's what it is. By the way, that, yes. though, is clever because it grabs attention. There's nothing wrong with a name that also... Well, the original name was Fuck You, <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know what? I, I don't know if that's going to really put out the right message. But that was... The meeting ran long that day, and at, by around 11, 40 people saying, I'll be honest, I want to go home. Yeah. I'm what, tired. What the fuck is this? And I go, bingo! Hey, why, why did I think of that? Hold on now! Yeah. So, you know what? Before we get off onto all the things we're going to get off on, by the way. Yeah, you got a plan? No, well, Me I, neither. I have to tell you yeah. this, mm. and this is no baloney. This, this is Eagle Rock, right? Yeah. 
The reason I say that is, it's my first time. So now when I saw the sign for Eagle Rock, mm-hmm. I've been hearing commercials for Columbo's Steakhouse in Eagle Rock for 10 years. Really? Now, I've never been there because whenever they say the name, and by the way, it's not a plug. I don't know them. I don't know the people. I I've live here. I don't know. Where, I'm, no, I'm, well, this is actually Highland Park. Eagle Rock, like if I were to want, if I wanted to sell this property, mm-hmm. I would say it's Eagle Rock adjacent. This uh, is the situation I'm in. We're close enough to Eagle Rock to be almost Eagle Rock, and but we're really in Highland Park. So is Eagle Rock nicer or something? It's a little bit nicer. Highland Park becomes somewhat of a barrio, and I'm not judging, uh, but, but really if you drive down York. It's not unlike Juarez in some areas, but well, if you drive down Colorado, you have Colombo Steakhouse, I'm sure. But the re- I was just laughing there yes. because the reason we all do the same international semaphore of hand gently touching the heart when we say listen i'm not i'm not saying anything. i'm not i'm not i'm not saying anything bad when i say these people when are I dirty say- they're dirty <laughs> but that was so- general that had nothing to do with my neighborhood love my neighborhood it's turning around larry Did and I by tell the way that? it's so close to eagle rock sure. so here's so here's the thing though <laughs> yeah i saw eagle rock and i'm no kidding i got so excited because yeah. every time for 10 years i've heard that commercial mm-hmm. i think to myself they make it sound so good oh manja yes yeah. it's Colombo's steakhouse You'll come. Why? You'll wish it's the place that's just around the corner. And every time I almost speak when I'm shaving, I almost speak to the radio and just say, yeah, but it's not. I don't know where you are. Right. I would go. Right. And they say, yes, it's an Eagle Rock. Right. And when I saw the sign for Eagle Rock, if someone had said to me before coming here today, yeah. if Scarlett Johansson, for instance, just suddenly lost her mind and decided I was cute and funny and came running at me topless. Yeah. And both my wife. And God appeared yeah. and said, you know what? You're doing a fine job. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. All you have to do is get to Eagle Rock on your own. Mm-hmm. I would have said, come on. That's yeah. not fair. <laughs> I, I you don't do know. easier, like tie a tie. Anything. Yeah. Studio City. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Yeah. But I wouldn't have sure. known. So I was actually excited because I love new areas, even when they're regular places. I'm always saying to my kids, this is great. We've never been on this block before. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. Let's take a different way to school and see a new block. And I'm not sure they get it, but it really lights me up. Yeah. That when that you're now you're eccentric, Dad, and they may not get it, but right. they might. And I don't care though, because yeah. you know what? That's why I came in like here on a on a manic. Where high did you live? In Sherman Oaks. Oh, that's not even that far. No, it's nothing. You could take your kids to Columbo's any time. Now you know where it is. And where people say manja, <laughs> but you know what? The thing is, I just love our area is so big. Mm-hmm. The general 50 square miles or mm-hmm. 10 square miles or whatever it is. It's big. I love when I come down a whole... I've never been on the two south. And <laughs> it's, it's so funny about people in L.A. because this happens a lot. Exactly. That like even when you map or Google map it, you're like you're still like, where the fuck is that? I was panicked. York? Colorado? Where the... How do these, do these streets exist someplace? I, I was actually panicked. Yeah. I was like... The couple driving that overloaded truck in the beginning of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Sure. The one that's going two miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. cars are going, hey, stupid. And because Jeff printed out last night, yeah. he said to me, yeah. you could use the GPS. Yeah. And then he saw that blank look. 
the one that you usually normally only see in a tertiary syphilitic. Yeah. You know, just yeah. that blank stare. You're and like, he well. said, do you know how to... I said, listen, I know on the last <laughs> car, but I don't know on this one. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah. do you want me to print it out for you? And I said, how long have we known each other? <laughs> yeah, have yeah. we just met? I want you to drive me there. And that's why Jeff is here. By the way, he, <laughs> well, it's also because he loves being... We love doing these things together. But he said, do you want me to carry yeah, you yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. He actually said, do you want me to carry you there? And I said, look, there's something yeah. between carry and me trying the GPS. Yeah. So in be- whatever's in between there. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And what was in between there with me with the papers in one hand, as you said, go south on the... Ah, ah, I New York. <laughs> ah, 53, 53. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, buddy. Ah, ah. Karinga. Yeah. Uh, what I want to do uh, in, in talking to you is that here's my memories of you. Yeah. Is that before I saw you, I think, live for the first time when I was living in Boston at Catch a Rising Star, probably the late 80s. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd done uh, I'd done open mics or a bit uh, in New York, and there was if you go to clubs, there are certain clubs. There are not many around anymore, but at the at one time the comic strip had this this one wall over by the bulletin board that had maybe five or six pictures. I know what you're going to say. But yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, and there was a, a guy that looked a lot like Larry that had hair, uh, and and was definitely Larry Miller. And there was Mark Schiff, Mark Schiff, Paul Reiser, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and this this was your generation I, what do you think i was going to say no i was going to say i don't remember actually having maybe later on i never quite had uh glossy in those days yeah in fact i was oh, look i, I won't even qualify that's right it was a me. performance picture no it close it was at a seder at my parents house that i put up on the wall there because they said just give us a picture and oh, so i had i made an eight I, by ten out of a, a like a, a like an instamatic photo yeah and I still have it because it's so comical. There's a whole table of people and me at the end in my comic strip T-shirt with a blue dress shirt over it <laughs> looking, well, with the look that you might have on your face of yeah. just, you know what? I love everyone here, right, sure. but I'm not exactly sure what's happening. Right. Yeah. And I've just said the four questions again and I have no idea what they mean. And there's a fifth question. <laughs> so... Are we done? Yeah. Can we, can we eat now? Can we eat the good stuff? Not the stuff on the plate. So Not the fruit salad. Yeah. And and now what 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 are we looking at? What what year was that? And and who were those guys? Because you were buddies right. with. I mean, that's that was my my when we were all baby comics. That's yeah. the that's the little class there of some good comics. I mean, some uh, some good guys. This was in then. This would have been seventy seven, seventy eight uh-huh. when we all started. And that was the folks you mentioned: Riser, Seinfeld, Schiff, Brogan, Carol Liefer. Uh, you know what? By the way, yeah, I was so not naive. What's a what's a better word? Stupid. Uh-huh. I think is better. Yeah, but I thought everyone was going to figure everything out right because i i think a lot of folks had talent i honestly this is not being humble or turning my toe in the dirt i had no sense of what i was doing i just knew it felt right to do i never really knew where i was going but suddenly it began to i think we all got better at it and suddenly you get a job or two then you get another job or two. But your style is so deliberate and so unique in that, uh, and you don't see it much around anymore, and I always appreciate it when I do see it, but you did long-form comedy. I mean, you, yeah. you started a story. I mean, that the, the, the famous one about the night drinking, what, what do they call that? Oh, that, the five levels of drinking. The five levels of drinking. That was a huge bit. That was like a half an hour bit, that bit. <laughs> and and it's, uh, it's quite a matter, it's, a, it's a, an amazing commitment to do that. There's only a few guys that do that. Let me just say something to yeah. that, though, which I know... Once again, as brothers, you'll understand. Yeah. To me, I don't think of... I think of that as 
natural and authentic for me, but I think of it as no deeper than, say, either a Stephen Wright or a Rodney Dangerfield joke, right. which are these wonderful flights of fancy Poets. in a little... Yeah. Exactly, in in a limited number of words. Absolutely. And that's not being necessar- uh, unnecessarily giving either. It's saying whatever we find, whatever guys like us find, whatever our style is, whatever the voice becomes sure. and starts out as, then that should be it. Cosby can tell a joke, and I co- still call it a joke, by the way, or, yeah. a bit, or a bit, obviously, but... He can he can tell us to eat those sure, two yeah. and a half hour stories, you yeah. know, and then it all weaves together, and it, each one has a room. But also, but the, but the thing that's different now, when you're starting out in the '70s, you're starting out in the '80s, or, or any time in modern comedy, you know, Cosby was it was a bit of, a bit of a different time, and and I think that it wasn't unusual to see someone on TV uh, do a long form piece. But now in the age of short attention that's spans, right. and also in the that's age right. where you got to fight it out on stage, what's fascinating is that you know as well as I do, that if you're if you're two minutes into a bit that's going to take seven that's and right. it's not going well, that's right. you're just going to eat a lot of shit for five minutes yeah. or you're going to fight it out. So a lot of people are afraid of that and that's where you get, you know, some guy's short form is easier. You know, it's like, I know I'm done in 40 seconds. That's true. <laughs> I guess what always fascinated me and still does mm. is I like this going to sound weird as a comic, but I like the silence. I like the spaces. It's sort of like saying... Without the rests in music, there's no music. Right. There's no symphony. Mm-hmm. It's not all just a, a beam of sound. It's the rhythm and, and the rest. To me, the texture of words, some of those phrases, for instance, from the five levels of drinking, that you know, you walk out in the morning and the sun is up and calling the sun God's flashlight. Yeah. To me, it's not that that's so great. I'm just saying I take a lot of time trying to figure out just the right thing. Right. Sometimes it takes years. I know. And then I change yeah. it. Well, you know that. And then you change it and you, oh, wait, there's a new dependent clause there. But that's isn't, fine with me. Isn't that weird when you have that moment on stage where you're doing a bit you've been doing like two years and then that other thing drops in and that's you're right. like, oh, everything's alive again. Exactly right. Game on. Exactly right. It puts new. <laughs> yeah. And it's the good. audience. As you know, always knows. Yeah. They know everything. Lenny Bruce once said of audiences individually, they may be idiots, but together they're a genius. Yeah. They sense everything. They know everything. It's exactly true. They know as soon as you walk out, are you uh, mean or kind? Mm -hmm. They know, not consciously, but they know where it counts. They know, do you like being here? Do you like us? Do you like being a comic? Or are you annoyed about something? They know everything. That's interesting that they innately know that because you do get that feeling once you've been doing stand-up a certain amount of time where, you know, people say that no audience is, uh, it's never the audience's fault. That's a lie. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and and also they, they say that there are no bad audiences, again, a lie. But you can't, the one thing you do know is like, and you must know too, but maybe you're not as paranoid or insecure as I am. But if I walk into a room, I can, like sometimes even before a show, I'll walk in the room. Yeah, I'll just make that fourth wall go away. And basically just to find the one table of apes that's going to give me trouble. And they're they're there. And I just sort of I'll wrap my brain around it and I'll just say, all right, just be aware that there's an aneurysm here in this to continue the metaphor in this group mind. That is my audience. We've got a potential aneurysm. And I just want to I just want to be sensitive to that. Do you have that intuition? You know what? For a second there, I was going to say, yes, we do the same thing. But I didn't know you meant with the people there. I never do that. What I do, though, is I always like walking a room, whether it's a club, a theater, anything else. Yeah. I always like, or on a corporate job where sure. you're in some room. I just did one. It was a great job for IBM. It was like 6,500 people. It was so big. Jesus. That I actually opened saying something like, uh, 
boy, this place is, because it was shattering. Yeah. It was just being in there was moving. It was something like our version of, if you go to like the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris or something, you say, wow, this is really something. Sure. Yeah. I haven't been there, but you know, I imagine I believe, if you walk in. Yeah. Well, that's why, by the way, there was the style of architecture. Sure, of course. That if you're a peasant in the I know, I felt 15th it. century. Yeah, I've talked about that before. Yeah. Or whatever it is, and you yeah. walk in, you see flying buttresses in oh, a big yeah. room, you think, well, they know something because I have a hut. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like falling to my knees because I'm astounded right. at the, the sheer magnitude of this establishment. Just seeing a guy with a hat, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Uh, again, with a big... Look at oh, the holy yeah. mackerel. It goes straight up sure. and then it comes to a point. Yeah. So, at any rate, though... He must be special. That's right. <laughs> again, look at him. He's got... <laughs> you know, yeah. he's got... His, his nails are long, yeah, but yeah. other than that... Yeah. But the... So, the point is that, yeah. you know, with every room, I like to look at the room. Mm-hmm. In fact, I love it. In fact, to me, it's part of prep. And, uh, oh yeah, you got like I used, sometimes I would lay down on stage, and uh, before the audience came in, obviously, and I, yeah, I, I'd sit there. I, I used to do that. I used to have a certain amount of uh, weird um, rituals that I do. Sure, but they're not to us. They're not weird. Yeah, it's about getting every room. There is magic in this stuff. To me, the inside of again a comedy club or a theater or anything we do or that room for IBM yep. is like the inside of a fine violin. It's absorbed sound already. And there's now some, I'm uh, going to be playing it. Right. And there's so, also some shitty violins out there. I mean, we got... Let's sure. Uh, oh, oh, please. <laughs> I've been in some, some some pretty bad violins. Oh, come on. Who, yeah. who are you talking to? I know. I'm talking to Larry Miller, as well, you far know, as I know. Started your, that way. You're talking to your brother. You yeah. know that... It, it, it's exactly right. There yeah. are rooms... It's so weird in a way for comedy... It's just so basic. They just have to see you just, like, and hear you. Just need a mic, a mic stand and a stool if you need the stool. You, That's it. Do you want water on the... No, I don't need anything. Do they see me? Mm-hmm. Can they hear me? For good. But how well can they hear me instead of... Because it can fuck you up, man. A bounce, bad sound system, fuck you up. It, It's a step beyond that. It, it, it's zero. It Dark. takes away every moment of creativity and entertainment Wait, let me ask you just a, a strange uh esoteric very focused craft question when you see the cordless mic yeah. do you have a moment where you're like i know it varies it depends on i have a one-man show i do now called cocktails with larry miller that i'm going there are thousands okay. of great theaters you know there's all over america yeah but in in place i was just in dayton last weekend yeah beautiful theory the victoria yeah. and the point is though for theaters there is something I can use a lot. Of. It's not only necessary, it's very cool, because also this is theater. It's My wife calls it stand-up with a ribbon, mm-hmm. which is true. There's some music in it, but it has a set and it travels with me. But So the point is, I can do, you can use all sorts of things, but I know what you mean. Still, the aesthetic is, it's not so much, it's not so much craft as it is something magical to see a chord drape off. In fact... Speaking of being baby comics and speaking of Cosby, when we were all just starting out in that same crew, the, oh, the folks we yeah. just mentioned, yeah. we all went one night to Carnegie Hall to see Bill Cosby. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Schiff, Seinfeld, Reiser, uh, Leifer, me, I think Brogan, it was like six, seven of us. Uh-huh. And we sat there. We walked into Carnegie Hall. Yeah. And there was nothing. The stage was empty, but baffles sort of around the back of the stage, just... Uh, Little little erected white and, walls. And a chair. Exactly. A yeah. chair, but here's the thing. With a mic on the chair and the cord draping off stage. Uh-huh. And we were all so lit up. We we all said, see, that's the thing. There you are. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the thing. That's all you need. That's exactly right. Yeah. That, this man is going to walk out there, pick up that thing, 
and in his case, he sits down, you yeah. know, but which is different from most of us. But that's the thing. It's not. A, it's not a, this. There's. By the way, nothing against props. People are great when they use prop. People who use props. It's to me. They're very a th- uh, diplomatic of you. Well, no, I believe with all my heart. I'm not, look, I've been long enough around long enough to realize that you know you, you can't. After a certain point, uh, they figure out their thing. And that's that. Exactly. It's the same thing as voice. There are thousands. Of styles of comedy, but only two kinds: funny and not funny. Right. That's why, and I believe that with all my heart. Are you it's laughing? Also, uh, it's funny. Yeah, I think there are subsets within that, but we don't need to go into it. Well, you know what I, <laughs> but you know what I mean. If the person is laughing, yeah, I've never. There are subsets. Yeah, I mean, you're very sophisticated, intelligent, decisive, uh, and incisive comedian with a very defined style that you've honed over years and years and years. You're going to tell me, and there's no reason to name names that you don't sit in the comedy room sometimes and go, "You got to be." fucking kidding me actually you know what don't you dare but let me let me finish no you know what the truth the absolute truth is when an audience i don't care whether there's a television show i don't care whether it was the dukes of hazard or reality shows i can't watch some of the things yeah my wife who by the way is a writer producer and one of the most brilliant women i've known but she can watch the housewife shows they make me actually so angry i can't be in the room and and a little dirty too you feel a little dirty exactly right i feel this is not (laughs) what the word entertainment is supposed to be this is not storytelling yeah this is not spreading light and whatever i want and she not surprisingly will you know then just doesn't look up but you're taking it too seriously don't you enjoy other people's pain no you know what though (laughs) she doesn't even say that because Uh she knows there's no getting through right so i will storm out into the living room right and read there and talk to the dog who by the way plays dumb but understands a lot about me everything but so but here's the thing i never if folks say to me by their numbers or whatever this whatever is being done if that's poppy you know what congratulations and good luck to you mm-hmm. i wouldn't be this sanguine i wouldn't be this calm about it if i thought it affected my saleability or what i can write and perform or the way i can take myself and my product out and grow with it if i thought it affected that in any way then i'd be you know saying all right let's take the the blunderbuss down from above sure. the fireplace, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and right, and right. just attack that, the studio. That, no, that makes sense. Is that, and, and I believe that too. Is that like what you're saying about magic, and about because um, look, we've both known a lot of talented guys that didn't manifest. They did not uh, break. They did not become big stars. Who the hell knows why? Uh, and and in my darkest moments, I realize that you know I've I've done okay, but but it, it's interesting that you cannot make lightning in a jar that you cannot make audiences like you uh it, it happens when it happens if it happens and i and i think that's a, a profound thing about about stand-up is that like why do some people make it and why do some people not who knows i think a lot some of it has to do with professionalism realizing the nature of the job uh you know owning your style but it seems like you had your style pretty young pretty early on no yeah i think so looking back but i think a key phrase you just said is make it because the phrase has many different meanings. The concept of making it, when you start out, you may think, I want to be this star or that star. That's why every time parents come up or someone, one of my friends from school as a kid now is like 19, 20, says he wants to get into show business. What do you tell him? What should I do? First of all, I say to him, fantastic, because I I always say to the parents, what's better, that he works for Aetna? Is that going to be better? But a lot of parents would say, yeah. But what I mean is, so, and then I follow that up by saying, so he'll get fired at 41 because he's not very good at it, and his boss says to him, you seem like a pleasant guy, but you're really not fitting in, or you're really not 
kind of right. one of us. And you're a smart ass, and you're always trying to be funny. Exactly. Yeah. And also, how bitter yeah. is his heart going to be uh, every yeah. time he sees a comic on TV or an actor in a part? But that can happen to comics and actors, of course. But at least, <laughs> but at least, <laughs> yeah, we're in That's the right. game. No, I agree with you. And and, and I just think like uh, when, when I used to watch you. Uh, when I was younger, like that first time I saw you catch a rising star, I think my friend Chuck Scar and I, you know Chuck, he went to, he became a writer. Uh, we actually went and uh, we picked you up at the uh, hotel and we drove you to the club. And we were, uh, we were also, we were very excited because uh, you always had a lot of respect from the younger guys because you did, you did something that no one really did was tell these stories and you were so deliberate and the, everything was paced out beautifully. And then I, the next time I ran into you, I'd done, I was at Cobbs in San Francisco. They like two weeks after they said Larry Miller got mugged, and uh, you were still, I think you were still fucked up about it. Well, sure, because first of all, I was so grateful. It sounds like a weird thing. Was it like nineteen eighty nine, ninety two, something like oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But ninety three. The the point is though, when this happened, I was walking home from home to the hotel. From the like club. Two, it was like three blocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I took a side street, and it was about one in the morning, and I was, uh, oh, what's the word? Drunk. And uh, that's not, that's the word. You hung out after the show. Sure, with some you of have the guys. a couple yeah, of drinks, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you chat with everyone. Not loaded, but right. I was a little lit up. Right. Plus, I was wearing what I always wear on stage, which is, you know, suit. a suit yep. with uh, cap-toe wingtips or something and a yep. shirt and tie. Yeah, yep. So... Walking home on a dark street, you, were, you know, I looked like the junior high principal you always hated. Yeah. But I saw, I walked past, there were five guys. It wasn't the main street. It was just one block over that all the restaurants were on the street. Right. I didn't think I was a... Right, and then one block over from there were projects. But it turns out, but here's the thing, and this is no baloney. I walked past, there were five guys or six guys leaning against a, a wall, and I walked past, and I knew... You felt In a it. second, sure. Yeah, this something's going to happen because also, it's there. In a way, it's a challenge. I'm not excusing. It's anything. weird that you feel it though. You do feel it. Oh, sure. And you and know you, what? Your your brain was going. Where do I go? What do I do? What? Do I... We human beings, especially men, have blocked out a lot of that. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of magic in the world. Suddenly, an old friend from school will come into your head, and the guy calls the next day. Sure. If we just listen to this a little bit, but at any rate, I walk past and. Uh, Somebody called out to me, and I just, you know, tried to uh, smile. It was like four or five feet away, and just say, you know, uh, tip hi, your hat. Hi. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> and you know, salute with my cane. Yeah. But yeah. so the. Uh, at any rate, though, as I walked past, and that was kind of a challenge. It was going to go down this way anyway, and then uh, they just came after me like eight, ten feet later, and a guy just whipped me around, and uh, just punched me. And one punch, I fell down. I. I've been. I'm not being flippant now. I'm in a punch. You know, whether it's elementary school or high school or something. But not as a grown up. Well, exactly. Not as yeah. an official grown up. Yeah. But you know, a punch can really. That's why boxers are usually afraid. Because a punch, if it lands, at any rate, I went down. It was a solid punch right on the button and in your chin. Yeah, it was the chin. You know, there are spots. There are nerve spots. Yeah. You know who was a great, great boxer and knew every nerve spot? Milton Berle. Uh huh. I had a chance. To get to know to him, to box with Milton Berle, but you know, but you what, only him? in the later years. Oh, because, yeah, yeah, and yeah. by the way, still fast. Oh, yeah, what, what yeah. a left! No, but I'm saying he always knew he could take a, one knuckle out and just show you and say, "Hey, watch this," and he just touch it. He could just touch with the middle knuckle, and he was very strong anyway. But just by touching it, and then 
like one of the other guys would actually catch you because your knees would go. Really? And this, t- this Milton Berle did that to you? Yeah. And so at any rate, though, the point is, I got bang, I went down, and then I'm kind of rolling along, just rolling around because I was dizzy. And then one of the guys kicked me in the face. Uh, but here's the thing. This is why I was so grateful. Awful. But here's the thing. Yeah. He kicked me, and by the way, I wound up needing stitches, but nothing was broken, number one, and they stopped. That's the thing. They stopped there, and they said, where's the money? Give us your money. I didn't even have anything with me because I hadn't taken a wallet from the hotel. So all I had was like a, a $50 Seiko that I was, uh, it was a good stage watch, by the yeah. way. But I just said, it's just this thing. But they believed me for some reason, and I think that's actually a great, great moment. They stopped with one punch and one kick, and they didn't get madder because I didn't have anything, and they didn't say, you're full of it, and start really beating me and kicking me. They stopped there. They split, and here's the thing. I got up about 10 seconds later or a minute later. You know how head wounds really bleed? Yeah. <laughs> this is where it also everything becomes funny for people like us. There was I'm bleeding. It's a sheet down my face. Yeah. Plus I'm I'm wavering. I've been I've been punched pretty good and yeah. kicked pretty good. Yeah. And there's a big cut over my eye, like yeah. a rocky cut. Are you gonna tell me a trainer came out of a doorway and stitched <laughs> you up? Said, Go back in there and get him, Larry. <laughs> and and it just Burgess Meredith came out and said, <laughs> You weak. You're gonna be a tiger. But here's the thing. <laughs> I kept walking to the hotel yeah. and but I just got to the corner, and a car with a good Samaritan in it came by on this back street yeah. and said, leaned out and said, Hey, buddy, are you a... Hey, aren't you Larry Miller? No. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And at that moment, you would do the same thing. I've got a sheet of blood down my face, but I computed. I said, <laughs> Hey, I'm really getting out there. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because if with a torn shirt yeah. and bleeding all over my what'd face you, what'd you see me on that's yeah, right yeah. It was, well that's like the old comic show what'd you see the first show or the second, the second show? show yeah it's a great but, show oh yeah. but that's no baloney and i laughed and the guy was such a nice guy so now it's 1 one thirty in the morning and he took me to the hospital no they he, he took me in the car and drove me around the corner there and they called that's right they called the police first and the police took me to the hospital everyone was real nice and by the way just emergency room thing this is the thing people have to be more grateful for the simple things in life there was nothing broken there were no teeth loose did you go look for the guys or anything you know what they took me around but i i you know i i just said to them i didn't know what was what and because you know, it was going to be five or six guys and i really hadn't even seen them it happened so fast and they were in a shadow anyway so here's the thing though yeah they stitch up my eye yeah nothing's broken right no vision affected yep. and you know what <clears throat> i'm not exaggerating even right then i was the happiest guy in the world, the luckiest guy on Broadway, because I thought, you know what? I just got stitches. My number came up. The wheel stopped spinning, and my number came up. How many people's numbers come up, and suddenly they catch a bullet in that eye? Or you know what? Or somebody actually hacks a hand off or something like that. And I don't mean just in terms of a mugging. No, I, mean I hear in, you. In I hear you. In general. Now, is this a new perspective for you? No. I'm lucky because as, as dumb as I am, and I'm not just saying that. We're yeah. all flawed. We're all stupid in our ways. Yeah. But you know what? It is no baloney. That's part of what we, you know, do on this week with Larry Miller with Jeff. We have the same outlook. I'll tell you what. We we close with the same line every day. I've been putting in writing for years that, and I mean it with all my heart. I I always say, folks, if you walked out of bed today and you had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, guess what? Game's over and you've won. And I believe that with all my heart. And I always did when these guys mugged me. 
You know what? In fact, the police called back down at my house. The San Francisco police called like uh, two weeks later and just said, uh, listen, if we ask you, would you come up here? We want to show some pictures or something. Or we think we got some guys. They've had a past thing. Yeah. And I said, you know what? If I saw these guys, and I wouldn't recognize them anyway, but if I knew, if the guy said, yes, it was me, I, I'm i sure he thought I was nuts. I said, you know what? I'd like to hug him because I'd like to say thanks for stopping. And I don't know what your life is like, but you stopped. And you and your you and your guys stopped. Yeah. And I was fine. And you know what? And I and I know that show that sounded stupid to the policeman, and maybe it sounds stupid to people out there, but I, I meant it completely at the time. I was actually, in a weird way, thrilled because they stopped. Now, where do you I get... Don't, does that sound weird? No, no, no. I mean, what, what it sounds like is, uh, you know, there's two ways to look at life, or maybe three. But, you know, the one that you've chosen is, is one to uh, experience gratitude and, and to experience uh, compassion and be charitable and, and understand everyone has their own struggle. And, and that, uh, you know, it, however that struggle is defining their lives, you hope it's not, uh, you know, hurting them. So, I, I mean, that's a great outlook, but I, I don't know where the hell you, you come across that as a comic. I mean, I don't know. No, I don't but know. I mean, what, how were you brought up? I mean, you were brought up a Jewish family? Yeah. Where? Yeah, Long, Long Island. So, I mean, was your father a rabbi? <laughs> no. And by the way, I don't consider that necessarily any holier than just good people doing no, good things. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. But, but you know, we, we are in the brotherhood of miserable fucks. Although, and, although that covers very kind I'll, hearts. I'll, that's absolutely right. We're very sensitive people. We're very frightened people. Right. And, and I agree with you. But, but you, you know, I think what we're talking about, the primary difference is, is that they're selfish and then there's uh, people who are able to empathize. In fact, absolutely. You just reminded me, though. There are two. There's the traditional way to look at comics, and I mean one or two generations before me, in like sort of like uh, George Schultz, who used to own Pips in New York. I don't know if you heard ever heard of the place in Brooklyn. Yeah, he's gone now, George. Uh, yeah, exactly. In Sheepshead Bay. Yeah, it's a great club. We were there all the time. And that's where Dice started. Otto and George. George Schultz at Pips used to always say, and this is an older way of looking at comics. Yeah. But it was funny still. He used to say, and he was considered a great eye and ear. If George liked you, and he could always tell you what to do. Uh -huh. And he used to say, show me a kid, nice kid, good family. Uh, as, a, as a girlfriend comes up, when he went to college, this is not a funny kid. He said, show, show me a kid. <laughs> great phrases. He said, yeah. show me a kid, bad complexion, lives in a furnished room, can't get a date. This is a funny kid. Now, <laughs> now this is... As you can see, it's funny. It's deeply yeah. funny, and it speaks to us, but it's also a few generations removed in an outlook of life. It's more like the 30s, 40s, 50s comics of the alienation. We can still feel that because, by the way, even story, everyone is alienated. That's why we're commenting. Well, I think that at that time, certainly in, like, you talk about something like Milton Berle and just the idea that there was a time where there were, you know, not just a handful, but but dozens of Jewish boxers. Yeah. Uh, really, there were a lot of Jewish boxers in, yeah. the, in the 20s. And, and I think maybe even a little earlier than that, that there was an alienation, uh, you know, certainly among the Jews that was cultural. And, and that was that's a little different because I think that community was stronger. But now as you get into modern comedy, you know, the alienation becomes more personal. And, and I think he was speaking to that. And you just assume that, you know, that, that uh, we're carrying our own uh, tourists with us and it's going to define us. But I think we would always be the same 
But what is your point, though, in in terms of where we are at now? I mean, you don't. Are you telling me that, that I'm not saying the comics have to be miserable or that they're miserable? What I'm saying is that your uh, open-hearted sense of gratitude and and empathy is is unusual for anyone in the culture we live in. But that's also in real life, in storytelling. That's why I was just going to tell you, I had a. Uh, part, they said this is a good movie too. It's called the final season. It was shot in Iowa for a month there, and the, it was like a Norman Rockwell painting. There are trains that would go by, great northern and western, and the cornfields. Uh-huh. It was it was as shattering as it could be. But that it made me thrilled only in the storytelling part. In real life, when people would actually invite you into their homes, and then you'd go. They had a dinner for the cast one night. Yeah. A thing. These other actors you'd know, Marshall Bell and Dayton Callie. Dayton lives in here, actually. But Dayton was from Deadwood. These are terrific actors. Everyone out there, you'd know them from a thousand things. But I got so alienated when you actually have to sit still in real life and be with civilians. That, that Marshall Bell was always looking over me, just going, just, you know, with his hands, saying, just take it easy, take it easy. Yeah. Because... In real life, that's when I and you and any performer, any creative person, feels alienated from the image. I can use it in storytelling, and I love in real life actually being kind and having sympathy and empathy. But in my own life, that's why I don't want to, I can't imagine when someone says, you want to go, there's an affair for this kind of thing, or you want to go, we'll all go out to dinner tonight, I always think... Why would we do that? Why am I going out? Can't we just be friends? You know what I'd like to do? I'm going to finish tonight and go home and have a drink. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Because the thought of, no, it's a nice new place. Yeah. So we can do what? Cut yeah. chicken? Yeah. What are you talking about? What are we going to talk about? And then For how long? Why? So we look around? Yeah. And that's right. For how long? Yeah. So what do we do then? Yeah. Because civilians, that's their storytelling. Civilians want to look around and say, I'm out at this place, and then others will come in. Okay. That's the play they're in. All right, so I guess we found a little bit of misery in you. That's good. Oh, no, it's... <laughs> but you see, you have to understand. No, it's I understand. It's gigantic <laughs> yeah. as yours or anyone's is, but it comes out because that's the nature of a writer, a performer, any kind of storyteller. It's alienation. Of course. Yeah. And it doesn't mean just because I genuinely, and it is genuine, have I don't want to you use complimentary phrases, but I love meeting us, yeah. other, other brothers yeah. and sisters in yeah. the comic thing. Yep, and I love to talk about it. Yeah, and I feel instantly at home. Yep, but that has that doesn't mean at all that in my work there isn't the same detachment. If I grew up in a situation, well, whether it's in a ghetto or something in a hundred years ago where this was happening sure. or that was happening, yeah, well, my edge would have been manifested in other ways, in harder ways. The fact that I'm here now, someone said to me once in an interview, well, would it, you know, it must be a great time to be a comic now because this is happening or there's a chance to buy it. And I always said, you know what? No, it's a great time to be a comic now because I'm alive now. Yeah. 50 years ago, that would have been a great time to be a comic or 50 years from now. Yeah, you, 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 you're saying that the spirit would have been uh, sure. there no matter what. Now, I know, but I, I am. I, that's interesting to me. The idea of of alienation it does not necessarily mean that you're miserable. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're bitter. Exactly. It just means that you're you're sensitive, and and that uh, and that you're going to see things with a little more uh, sensitivity than 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 other people. And part of your job happens to be to be that guy. 
but you don't have any complaints about it. You're just saying that that's part of my physical makeup and I can be a very sweet guy. Uh, I just, uh, I'm not going to indulge a, a boring evening out with people whose lives I'm not necessarily interested in because I'm a professional storyteller and uh, I only listen to professional storytellers. <laughs> my wife, by the way, in a way that's true, my wife, who again is a storyteller too, yeah. and she... A couple of years ago, yeah. and they're nice people. It doesn't matter say who it is. She said there were some of the kids' friends from schools, and we'll go out with the parents, like six people. Sure, and it's the same thing. And I'm home and off the road. It's another night. And I, can I'd rather sit downstairs and get quietly hammered at but the that, bar there? Right, but the, how much of that has to do with the fact I I learned this weird lesson? You know, as comics, you know, especially when you're coming up and you're, you're you you want to be funny all the time, and you, you're working your bits no matter where you are. You know, whether you're with other comics or whether this was in college. I got home from a party with a girl I was dating, and, and this thing resonated with me, and it changed my life. She said to me, she said, you don't always have to be the center of attention. Mm. And, and then, of course, we fought for three hours, and then I said, all right, maybe you're right. Uh, but, but there is an element to that that you know, people are going to expect that out of you, which is annoying. That, now, you didn't mention that, that you, know, you are Larry Miller. You're going to go to a show, and then you, or you're going to go out to dinner with some other couples, and there's going to be that point where they're like, what about you, Larry? Yeah, and by the way, uh -huh. I, at that point, I'm so close I'm actually holding the steak knife in my hand, but you know. But do you tell the, the, the story? Other yeah, you know, tell that thing about. Yeah. And <laughs> what do you say? There was this this one night uh -huh. with the two couples, right. by the way. And my wife, I I love her. She wants to do things. That's yeah. grand. Yeah. I, I'm not a complete idiot. Right. All yeah. right. Fine. I know I'm going to lose Part that of the battle job. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I got the handbook. So yeah. I'm sitting next to a guy, and, <laughs> and so it's six of us around a table. Sure, it's the same thing. So you're cutting something, going, yeah. oh, a pinto. That's fantastic. So. <laughs> At one point, the guy says to me, and my wife is sitting next to me, and she's having a great time. She's animatedly talking to, you know, one of her sure. friends about something or sure. other. And this guy says to me, "You can't. We can't write this sentence." Yeah. He uh, he taps me on the shoulder and he says, and he and he says to me, "You know, a lot of people think reinsurance is the same as insurance." Uh huh. And he says that, and I just held up my finger and said, "One second, please." And I turned to my wife, and she had heard that. Yeah. And her back was kind of toward me, mm -hmm. but she knew I was just going to look at her with, with daggers for making me do yeah. this, and she turned more away oh, good. and yeah. put up the right elbow oh, yeah. on the table yeah. and yeah. nodded even uh -huh. more at her friend who was talking, uh -huh. so I said, I guess that's it then. Yeah. So that's the way it is. Yeah. You're not even going to accept yeah. my look of why did you do this to me, yeah. and at that point, Maybe this is a part of general nature, too, because at that point, instead of doing a Gleason where you just say, that's it, you, get out. Instead of that, yeah. I turned back to the guy and yeah. actually said out loud, all right, you win. Go ahead. <laughs> and he gave me a 42-minute thing about, about, general, about reinsurance and the differences between that and insurance, and it was such a profound emptiness to me that even when the waiter came back and said would you like another drink because i already had one yeah i actually thought no because i remember my grandfather's advice when uh, my grandmother died someone yeah. said uh you know uh come here Zalek, sit down you'll have a drink yeah and uh he said no i only drink when i'm happy and I actually remembered his voice then in a very different way because i said go ahead and the guy started speaking the waiter came over can i get you another drink and i just said no, thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? When I get home, yeah, then I might have 
a giant tumbler yeah, yeah. of something. That would be the reward. Yeah, because no, I'm not <laughs> going to surviving this exactly, and I'm not going to waste yeah. something I like on this moment. I'm going to take it in the neck, and then I'll say on the way home, you know what? I'm okay. That's yeah. all right. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. You have a good time with your yeah. friend. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, if you want, I can tell you the difference between insurance and reinsurance. Can you tell me? You know what? It was so. <laughs> that's the real test. No, you know what? It was. That's why. Not surprisingly, I was oh, yeah. lying to her because yeah. not surprisingly, I was doing the best acting I have. Listening. Whatever. The, yeah, it's just yeah. trying to do uh -huh. the nod, the nod uh -huh. and the. Uh, yeah. Boy, I tell you, yeah. yeah. And every right. so often say things like, Keyword. well, yeah, they're all crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, just yeah, whatever yeah. it is because I. No was, kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three of them. Oh, man. Imagine that. <laughs> I can see the room now. You're really painting the picture. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah, can yeah, see yeah. as you brought the report in. That's hilarious. But but the thing is, is like it's it's important to know that you, this is not being condescending. It just is what no. it is. And, and in that, like, uh, like, I don't socialize much at all. Uh, except with, um, well, when I was married, you have that responsibility, but I socialize with other comics, but I do socialize with people, you know, I, I'm interested in, in people who do interesting things, but it's not a crime not to be interested in that. I'm sorry, but uh, he should oh. take that to a convention. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cops hang out with cops. Yeah. And you know what? Why would any cop want, want to have someone say, so you ever, uh. Have anything interesting happen out there? Why would he want to tell a story like that? Yeah. No, you know what? Do me a favor. I'm going to go back to the dip here yeah. and just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do when when uh, in terms of uh, of fans, though, I mean, you you, you got to love the fans. What the truth is, though, yeah, it's a very deep affection. Yeah, this is something I've never understood before. I don't understand this in other performers. When I'm out, if I'm lucky enough, yeah, to work enough that folks get to know me. That's a very deep relationship to me. And if they if they come up to me, I've never had that thing, if I'm eating somewhere, I've never had that thing, well, I'm, I'm eating now. I always stand never. right up and say, you know what? I'm glad you said hi, and I mean it with my full heart. Yeah. Can we take a picture? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Because there's no doubt in my mind, I'm the lucky one here. That's right. I know that yeah. there are even some great people I admire, like Paul Newman, who's, you know, gone now, but... Pff, you couldn't you can't be greater or a greater person than that guy was but he always had a thing for 50 years he would never sign autographs he didn't talk to people he i don't know how he did it but he would just kind of brush people off well he's a great guy and, and, and he's gone but i don't understand it in our kind of performer excuse me i'm eating now you know, or uh... but it's interesting that it, you know, because of the podcast that you know I'm very personal on the mic, and you you know I I know that these people are coming at me with a, a real relationship with me that that they, right. it's it, they you know I talk fairly honestly here, so they're going to approach me and they're going to ask me how my cats are and whether or not Larry Miller was a nice guy and they, you know, for real or that kind of stuff, right. and I'll indulge them because uh, because I, I I feel close to them and I and I and I'm grateful that they enjoy the That's show exactly right, but but there's a deep they, relationship, but but I, what, because of my particular insecurities, I have to be careful that I I don't know go on. So where, what are you guys doing now? Can I get can I come over to the house? Yeah, people invite me to a seder and. Australia and I really I, it was one of those moments where I'm like well you know I'm lonely here you know and then I got to show that night and don't those things stay set seven hours you know but I was very grateful that they of asked course, me but that's the nice moment no you, you can't go for a variety of reasons but but that's the right moment and it's so funny as soon as you said that I smiled though because when you said I have to be careful because I don't want to get you know dive in too far yeah but I can do that it's sure I can the same thing I don't know if it's an insecurity but yeah, when someone talks, 
I'm always an inch away from saying, sure, I could, uh, well, well, what time is dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Well, so especially when it's about you. <laughs> Can we go to your house and talk more about me? But actually, there's something else there. Uh-huh. In, in truth, there's something else. Uh-huh. I have to be careful. I don't know if you're this way, but yeah. I feel I'm so spongy uh-huh. for the life of other people in a sense. The fact that this is another life I've yeah. never met. The same way I am going down a street I've never been down. Uh, no, I, where I, I really I, light up like that. Sure, sure. I have to be careful not to not tumble down, but actually it's not about me then or the work, but it's just about saying, Really, so what do you what do you do but where are you from? Right. So were your parents like this? Or did you, what did you do? Where how many kids do you have? I have to be careful not to tumble down because then people, by the way, the people you're talking to begin to realize just 10 seconds later, this doesn't quite feel right. Why am I... Why is he still here? Exactly right. <laughs> so you know what? The best thing to do is... Shattering to... my illusion of, of who he is. Exactly. Or, or, or of what any moment is like. Yeah. Well, it makes them nervous because then, then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, exactly. there, there's boundaries that so, you're saying that have to be respected. A sincere moment, mm-hmm. a nice bond... Mm-hmm. All which can be told once, as once again, as Lenny Bruce said, not just of audiences, but people in real life, they know everything. So if it's sincerely done, and you stand up and you say, you know what, whether it's shaking hands or taking a picture, you say, you know what, thanks, buddy. It means the world, right. and it really does. Right. But then you don't stand there and just say, boy, I tell you, they're crowded today, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if it's a supermarket, right? Because- the work, the work speaks for itself. And I imagine that on some level, that's that's how Paul Newman felt. That he had, his personal life was his personal life. His boundaries were what they were, and that you know, my philanthropic nature is uh, is uh, is evident. And and then my work is great. I I don't have time for you. I well, apologize. All the Although once again I can't that's not how I live. I like no, no, to yeah. make that contact. But I mean I can understand that because I think the kernel of, of what you were saying was that if you read if you do your job in what we do well, that all these things and who you are will become apparent. And now after the show is over, you can, you know, in, engage in, in be in nice and grateful. But uh, but after a certain point you, you don't want to make them uncomfortable. Well th- that's true. It's if if it's in a nurturing way, but the truth is, comedy, as you know, yeah. also is very deep. It's not a frivolous light thing. If you no, know, make yeah. people laugh, yeah. it really lights something up. Yeah. It's very deep. The yeah. relationship is very deep. So someone really wants to say, and it should be appreciated. Wow, you really, you know, hi, you really, you Help did me. something. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't hear that, I, yeah. it's so important when someone says, you know what. I had a hard week this yeah, week, yeah. and you really made me laugh. Yeah, that's a very important thing to hear. I know. Instead of us saying, even on a show, when people like us say, "No, the lights weren't right, the sound was off. Yeah, yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. do the thing. I forgot this thing, and I re- misordered that." What? But when someone says, "You know what? That was great, and I had a tough day, and you really made me laugh," we have to say with our full hearts, because what what a gift that is. You know what, buddy? Thanks. Yeah. That's absolutely right, and I and I you know sometimes um, it, it was interesting because I was just at the uh, the Irvine Improv last week, and it was it was some tough shows, and I had my uh, my my fans come out, but there were plenty of free tickets there, and there was that moment where uh, you know I just I made this decision like I got to do this for the people that that came to see me. And they're going to see that, you know, I got to deal with this heckler. I got to deal with these drunk girls. I got to deal with these people that have free tickets. They didn't know who they were going to see, yeah. but I got twenty people out of sixty that came to see me and I've got to make this experience real for them. 
and and make it uh, and make it rewarding for them because these are my people and I'm not at a point where I'm doing theaters. So so that 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 has become sort of a weird social responsibility because it, back in the past I'm like, well, if you're going to take me, if you're going to make this miserable for everybody with your heckling or you're not going to shut up, let's just see how shitty this can get. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you All know? right. Hold hands with me. We're jumping. Yeah. But you know what? By the way. F- that's to show you, we, we never know. Katie Levine, Katie Levine who uh, works at Corolla's place yeah. there in Ace Broadcasting. By the way, she's just leaving to something else. But she was there I saw her the other night. night. Yeah, That's she right. came to my show. She was there. And she said last night, because we were there with our show and then I was on Adam's yeah. show. And she said, you know what, he was great. I think he was unhappy about something else. But she's hip. She's sort of yeah. in, the, in the family. Yeah. So she said, yeah, but I told him he was great, you know, and he was. And, this, and so we never know. It's the same thing I just mentioned before. You and I... And any performer on stage may have a thousand things we want and didn't get or didn't do. But when someone says, you know what? That was good. Yeah. It was really good. Well, well, that was an interesting night because it was one of those times where where I knew I had fans there. She was there. And I just on Adam's show and we had a good time. And it was a small crowd. It was Mother's Day. And I had a, a table full of uh, uh, you know Latino guys with their girlfriends with the LA, the LA Dodgers caps on. And, and they were free tickets. And I said right up front, I said, look, I got about 15 fans here. I know about 30 or 40 are here on free tickets. I know it's Mother's Day. I had a drunk woman with her daughter, both of them drunk. She had brought her there. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh, but but I was excited about the situation because I in a small room where you don't you're not beholden to material. You know, I said to these these dudes, I said, you know, you free tickets. Right. And they're like, yeah. And I go, well, look. It, it, we're we're never ever going to find ourselves in this situation again. You and I are not going in, unless you know we're waiting online somewhere. We would not be talking, we would not be hanging out. But I think that if you give me a chance, you know, we'll find some common ground here. Or at least you can laugh at me. And I tell you, by the end of the show, that you know, I saw them laughing. It was very important to me that they were laughing because I'm as a comic. There's part of me that still believes, unlike some other members of my uh, generation, that there are these people that are like I just want my people there. It's like you know, I want people that don't know who I am. That's there right. Because that's the job. And if I can make those guys laugh, and this is a relatively new perspective for me as opposed to saying you know this is fucked how are they going to understand me I'm so different but this is my job so you know I noticed in those moments where I was looking to them I wasn't looking at my fans I was looking at the LA Dodgers cap and I was saying and when he laughed I'm like I'm I'm doing my job I'm connecting and it was very rewarding for me that show immensely important I know exactly what you mean by the way you reminded me we used to say because everyone along the way yeah. is known or unknown. Yeah. And there's there's a star level at way, way at the top. But we used to say, when uh, at the comedy store, for instance, when Richard Pryor would come in, or Dangerfield at the catch in New York or something, of course, a roar would go up that was so strong. Hard oh, to, yeah. oh, this is unbelievable. But here's the interesting thing. Yeah, and I know what you're going to say. I bet you do. That 25 or so seconds after that, you got to do some stuff. That's right. And it's now, hard to follow that. Exactly. But even for, it's hard to follow that even for the person that's right. who received it. That's what it. I mean. No, that's what I mean. That that the the thrill of recognition when you reach a certain level, uh, level of celebrity is very hard to to live up to. And in a sense, that guy at that moment that even the biggest stars become just like us or just like anyone at any point in comedy of you're a comic Let's see what you got. Right. Now, let me... Uh, this is a weird question. It's left field. I don't know what's going to happen. Did Jack Benny have any relevance to you? Oh, sure, yeah. Wow. 
Because for some reason, when I you know, when I used to watch you when I was younger, I thought y- y- there was some sort of direct correlation between oh. the type of deliberate timing that you have uh, between you and Jack Ben. Oh, that's that's first of all, it's a great compliment. I don't know anything about that consciously, but who knows what 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 makes us? What what he what was so important to me was that I loved the guy as a kid. On at that point, it was on his TV show, uh-huh. and. I mean, all those fellas, Burns and all these guys and the guys from uh, after them in the the 50s, I still heard, by the way, this is so weird, no kidding, Sunday, that Mother's Day, and I had a show in Dayton Saturday night, I finished a part in uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. He's writing, directing a movie. Great guy. And I'm in, he's great. And and so I'm in it, and I had a death scene, in fact, that day. And I was talking to the guys who were the great pros who put everything on you, the squibs, yeah. and these guys, Dennis and Don, and each time, because the guy's name was Don, and this is just then Sunday night, and I'm dead. I've only had a half hour sleep, yeah. and I'm I'm thrilled because I'm acting. I'm gl- glad to be in Bob's movie. Right. But here's the thing. Every time they had to redo me and change all the clothes and change all the blood stuff and the squibs, and uh, Don was there, and I was start- I haven't said this ever in my life. I began doing a Jack Benny impression, this is the only reason I'm bringing this up now, because you happen to bring it up. And I'm not an impressionist. I can get close, I think. But as you know, impressionists who are good are just great. Yeah. But I just kept saying to him, oh, Don. And <laughs> because it was folks listening wouldn't even know. That's Don Wilson, who was his announcer and uh-huh. his, his Ed McMahon. Uh-huh. Folks wouldn't even know that. Yeah. But And they, they started to chuckle. And I just said, you know, that's the first time in America that um, mentioning Don Wilson's, oh, Don. <laughs> And and Don Wilson. Yeah. And so that just saying that and we were laughing, these two guys and me, and we were recalling. I was remembering how then all these memories folks wouldn't know about. But that Dennis Day, who was his boy singer, what they used to call there. But the boy, he was already 57. It doesn't matter (laughs) because in those days, it was like stinking of the three stooges still wearing the kid's outfit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's 61, but he's still wearing the. Oh, I'll I'll pinch you. Yeah. That guy. So. That Dennis uh, Dennis Day was still to to Jack Benny. He'd always say, "Oh, hello, kid," and he always called <laughs> yeah, him yeah, kid. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mister Benny. Yeah. Because these characters yeah. live eternally. That's why, by the way, I love not only radio and podcasting, but in comedy. On on Adam's show, we do a bit called the hypothetical road game that never wins, and people get get it out there. They've gotten it from the start. They know. That it's the trip along the way. People who don't understand show business or comedy will always say, for instance, how long is the brother-in-law going to live upstairs? As long as it's funny. Yeah. The brother-in-law lives upstairs forever. How long? Boy, why does the neighbor always keep coming in? Because it's comedy. Yeah. And because it's natural. Yeah. And because that's why the doors are next to each other. Oh, huh. hiya, Jerry. That's why Kramer could come in that way. Yeah. Well, where does he live? Does he live a mile away? No, he lives right next door. Yeah. People get that. And that's funny that you mentioned Jack Benny, though, because for the first time in my life, just a day before getting b- fake bullets shot on me, I was actually saying, I found myself in a... Mo- See, life is weird. I found myself saying... Oh, Don, because <laughs> every time the guy Don would change the thing, Don, I think there's more blood on my shoe. <laughs> so there's the magic. Yep. Thanks, Larry Miller. Pal, you know what? It's a pleasure. And uh, let me just say again, acelarrymiller.com. Folks can get anywhere from there. You're one of the greats. Thanks, man. Oh, my God, Larry Miller, what a sweet man. 
A funny man, a man who knows how to talk on a microphone. Larry Miller. Check out his podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. That's our show. As always, go to WTFPod.com for all you WTF Pod needs. Get on that mailing list. You go to the new site. The new site is beautiful. And I'm hoping by the time you're listening, I'll have some skunk party pictures. Skunk party at the Cat Bowl here at the Cat Ranch. Picks. You can also go to, hold on, wait for it. It's been a while. Pow! Whoa, I think I shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com. You can also go to WTFPod.com, get the apps for iPhone, iPad, iPad Touch, Droid. You can upgrade to the premium and get and stream all them old apps. If you don't want to stream all them old apps, you can go download them old apps. Some of them are now appearing on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search WTF Premium, or go to WTFPodShop.com for some of those special live ones that you can only get there, and also some of the more popular and fun uh, you know, out-of-print ones. Are they out-of-print or now available for a purchase type of deal? Please donate to the show. I know I sound happier. I know you think everything's going great. But I'm still trying to make a living here. No one's giving me a million dollars. Could someone please give me a million dollars? And that way I'll never ask for money again. Just could someone donate a million dollars to my show? Is that too much to ask? If you got that kicking around, Toby McGuire, who I just read, lost or won 20 million billion dollars playing poker. I guess he earned it. Give me some of that Spider-Man money, Toby. But you know what? Just come on the show. Why am I even, out of all the people, whatever, fuck it. I got to go. I'll be at Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, California, July 7th, 8th, and 9th. It's in the Bay Area. Make the trip. They got a good sound system. I like that place. They put me up at a pretty good hotel, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up my girl Jessica's stuff at the storage space so she doesn't have to store it anymore, and then we're going to go put it in her apartment and use that as a storage space, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks for chipping in. No problem. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>